Welcome to Because It's Tile, a podcast to help you understand the tile industry market in North America and the threats, trends, and opportunities within the marketplace. Listen as Rick Church, Executive Director of the Ceramic Tile Distributors Association, interviews tile industry leaders and creative professionals. And now, here's your host, Rick Church. Welcome to the Because It's Tile podcast by CTDA. This is Rick Church, Executive Director of CTDA, and I'm excited today to have as a special guest, Sylvie Atanasio with Studio S Designs. Sylvie, how are you? I'm good. How are you, Rick? I'm great, thanks. Um, you were just, we were just talking before we started the recording about how you uh, just got back from surfaces, yep. and um, it's good to be back meeting people in person, even though maybe our what we're experiencing right now isn't what we have experienced in the past in terms of the size of the shows and the number of people, but it's still good to be back in person. And I'm looking forward to seeing you in person in a little less than a month at covering. Yeah. So Sylvie, um, tell our guests, I always like to ask folks how they got into the tile industry. There are lots of different answers to that question. Can you tell our guests how you got into the tile industry? Well, I always tell people there's only two ways that you get into the industry. One, you're either born into it and it's a family business because so many people in our industry are independent distributors and it's family, right? One generation to the next. Or if you're not born into the industry, then you answer an ad. I don't think, well, for me, certainly I didn't plan on, no one, for me, I didn't grow up thinking one day I'm going to be in the tile industry, right? It was by accident. (laughs) And I also think that the industry is very unique. So you might have to be just a little quirky enough for the tile industry, right? So I answered an ad right out of college from and I for Emser Tile, and I started off as a sales rep. Started off as a sales rep for Emser. That's great. Mm-hmm. And you've you've uh, been in the industry for a number of years. I don't want to you know tell everybody your age, but right. you've been in the industry for a number of years, and um, you've had several different kind of positions before you started Studio S, right? Right. What were a few of those? How did it kind of get you into where you are today? So I was at Emser, and while I was at Emser, one of my girlfriends left Emser, and she moved to Seattle, and she went to work for a company called Ansax Tile, which is super high-end, decorative. And you know, in the early days, there weren't that many people that had artisan tile, right? You couldn't go to coverings, and there wasn't a little art village where you go, oh, I want to you know, sell art, artisan-type tile. And I walked into the showroom, and I fell madly in love with all the stuff. I'd never seen tile like that before. And I thought, I want to have, a, I want to have a, a boutique tile store. And then I found out that it, the artists that made tile for Ansax or Walker Zanger at the time, because those were probably, or Country Floors, those were probably the only three doing it, were like an underground subculture of the industry. And they weren't readily available. And then when you called them and said, hey, could, would you sell to me? They'd say, who are you? And why should I sell to you? And and you have to prove yourself. And And then all the lines were taken. And so the only way that I could sell artisan type tile was to start designing it and making it myself. And so I was forced to do that. So wow. I, had, I opened a store and basically had, you know, a few mechanical tiles that everybody else had as a basic dealer. And I, I was forced to start designing and, and outsourcing and contract manufacturing. And, and you discovered that you had a real passion for that part of the industry, right? I, had, I all of a sudden realized that, well, I knew that like when I was at first a rep, because I was at, at first I was a dealer rep and then I became an um, architectural and A&D rep. And I would walk into these design offices and I, 
even though I couldn't, you know, I couldn't read the blueprints and stuff, but I could look at patterns and, and someone could show me a color and I have a photographic memory for color and I could go back and I could put something together and bring it back. And then I started looking at how the, some of the designers were doing the layouts and they were really super simple. And I realized that tile for me is like a, a Rubik's cube. I can just sit there and play with patterns and I would do layouts and say, well, why don't you do this? Or why don't you do that? And it just became, it was just a natural ability that I had. It wasn't something that um, I was trained to do. So I think I just kind of fell into my own niche. Yeah, that's great. That's exciting. What do you like best about the industry? You've been in it for a number of years. And before you answer, I got to say, so far, every person I've ever asked that question of has given me the exact same answer. So we're going to see if you're, you know, if you're you're compliant or if you're a rebel. (laughs) Okay. I think it's the people. Absolutely. Everybody says it's the people. Everybody says it's the people. The relationships, it's the people that you meet. It's, it's, I mean, I can't, I mean, there are days that I sit here and I think I can't get, I can't believe I get paid to do what I do because it's like hanging out with my best friends, right? Yeah, every day. Right? I mean, even if you think about it, even in the worst time of my life, I mean, you remember a few years ago when Tom passed away, we were at, TSP was happening and I sat on my couch and I thought, my, some of my closest friends, everybody that I know is at this event and they're three and a half hours away. And normally everybody's spread all over the country and, and even, you know, in a, in a, across, in a, across the pond or something. And I ended up getting in my car and I went and I drove because I thought the only place I want to be right now is with my friends. So that has to say something about the industry, right? And, and what our industry really is about. It's about if you do business, you know, word the word, um, you know, it's like wildfire, right? Everybody knows you do good business. If you do bad business, everybody knows that too. You'll be out really quick. So tell our audience a little bit about your company's business model. Okay. It's a little bit different than, you know, you're not a traditional distributor. You're not a traditional manufacturer. You've got a nice little niche. So tell everybody a little bit about your business model. Yeah, and it's and it's evolving every day. But um, I started Studio S what seven years ago, after I left uh, Lisa Edwards. I started a company called Lisa Edwards, which is owned by Bedrosians. And during my time at Lisa Edwards, I realized that most companies don't have like a creative director that that drives the direction of the company. Even some of the largest companies, usually, it's the owners, their family, the their best sales manager and it's like they travel in a little posse and they go to the shows and they try to call out what works for their market. Right. So during, so when I started studio S I thought there's two, there's a couple things I can do. I could design private label cause that would probably be the easiest for me to do. And, and the, the least expensive I could design lines for myself and then, and then act as my own agent. So that's what happened. And when I, during that time, you know, China was really popular for decorative products because of price points and stuff. And, but, but the majority of um, the distributors in the U S really don't want to travel to China, right? It's different when you say here, I'll design for you and we'll have it manufactured in Italy or Spain, a desirable location. Then everybody wants to go like nobody. You can't, I can't tell anybody like, Hey, you don't have to go. I'll do everything. I will even drink the wine, eat the pasta, the paella, and you don't have to go. You can stay here and just sell more tile. And they'll say, no, I'm going to go. I'm going to extend my trip. I'm taking my wife. But it works when I was in China because nobody wanted to go to China. And I think there also there was a, a belief in our industry that, you know, you buy something from China, it's cheap. And, and you're going to, you have to expect some defects and you have to expect lower quality. And what I thought was at the time, I said, well, how is it that we can't make 
a quality product out of China or that has that type of reputation. But all of us could, and the majority of us own iPhones and iPhones were you know, conceived in Cupertino, California, but they're manufactured and assembled in China. So how is it that someone like Apple could create a product, have it made in China, and then we don't even consider it a Chinese product. We consider it an American product and we stand in line and we'll, we're willing to pay, you know, a thousand dollars plus for iPhone. So my thought was, if I came to people and I said, look, I will design the tile for you. I'm an American tile designer. I can, I know where the pulse is in the United States. I know what the market wants. And not only will I design it for you, but I will do the QC. I will set up production and I will fly there and personally quality control your container before it ever leaves China. And you never need to step foot in that country. All you have to do is pay me a little bit of money and I will handle the, the chicken feet, the chicken heads and, and all the other stuff that goes along with it and give you a quality product. So there was a niche at that point, right? Now, today, industry's completely changed, right? I mean, China pretty much doesn't exist. And so, you know, you have to evolve, right? You have to keep relevant. So for me, I was I was lucky because I had already started to branch out into other countries and I already started working in Spain and Mexico and came back to the United States. The industry's changing. So that's great. What a great story. And you're right. Everything's changing, right? All the time. And, and uh, learning to do business all over again, especially with the pandemic. Absolutely. So, so we went through this big pandemic. We're, I think we're kind of towards the end of it, hopefully. We're starting to get back together in person and uh, et cetera. What kind of, what's your number one strategy for Studio S this year? kind of coming out of the pandemic, what's the strategy you're pursuing? I don't know. That's, that's still unfolding because, you know, in the beginning of the, the last time, you know, when we were at a show prior to me being at Surfaces this last week was Chevy Summit, what, 2020, February, right? Coming out of that, um, I had new lines. I sold a lot of product and then came home. And three weeks later, we were in lockdown and I lost all those opening orders. And they never came back. I think what came back was, and I thought for a moment, like everybody else, that I wasn't going to have a business when we came out of that. And 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 at that point, I didn't even think the pandemic was going to be, what, a year and a half? We're still right. dealing with it? I thought. Uh, but what came back was the replenishment orders. But at the same time, what happened was there were still a lot of big projects. And I had never done like a lot of value engineering. But all of a sudden, customers started calling me and saying, can you do this? And can you do that? And I realized, again, there is a, a niche there to be had because because of the pandemic, these people couldn't hop on a flight and they couldn't go and vet a company in Spain. They couldn't get to Italy. So if you didn't have those relationships of like uh, stable, you know, reputable companies, how are you going to value engineer? So all of a sudden during the pandemic, I was doing a lot of value engineering. Now I'm, I'm thinking moving forward. You know, I will probably continue to do that. Before, I wasn't interested in doing it, but all of a sudden, it's a new revenue uh, stream of revenue, and it's it's been really good for me. I mean, it's it's kept Studio S afloat. I've managed to continue to design. We have a lot of new products coming out, so those are either going to go private label or I'll bring them in and sell them. And I've also done some collaborations, like during this time, and like some you know sometimes business partnerships go bad or distribute relationships and you have to find other ways to move material. And I've been able to build some um, really good alliances with like Pan Am and other people. And, and I have, I bring in product and they're selling it. And it's so studio S has been evolving this whole last year. Um, I think 
I think the the main thing is just to be be aggressive. You know, I think the biggest mistake I made during the first part of the pandemic was that I was polarized, and I and I didn't know what to do. Thought it was doomsday, and then all of a sudden, when I shifted my my thinking, all of a sudden, business opportunities came back. So I don't know. I don't really know. What other? I, I don't really have the, uh, the answer of like what the like uh, 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 like ten different points of what we're doing this coming year. I just know that we're we've been changing this whole time. Good for you. So, what do you think the greatest challenge is for the tile industry kind of coming out of the pandemic? Well, you know, I think everybody I'm talking to is doing really well, right? I mean, everybody the, because of the pandemic, nobody went anywhere, and you kind of sat around your house and said, "Oh my God, um, my bathroom needs to get redone, or I have to remodel my house," right? So that's really helped everybody. So I think, you know, every, every client that I'm talking to, they're, they're, they're talking about record months. I don't know if it's so much the pandemic. I mean, well, I know it's a freight. Number one thing for me is the freight. The, the, the freight is so liquid right now. I get a quote today and by Friday, it's not good anymore. Right. I mean, like if I looked at when I was buying and importing out of Spain, my, my containers used to run about $3,500 a container. And now they're 11, $12,000 a container. Right. So Price increases had to change prices quite a bit. China, I mean, I do very little out of China, but you still do. I still do decorative glass. And big job problem was I quoted a job pre-pandemic, and those containers used to run about eighteen hundred to twenty-three hundred dollars, and all of a sudden it was seven thousand dollars. And I had to go back and say, I can't. You know, I I know I quoted it, but this is a was an act of God, and you're going to have to tell your customer that they have to pay an additional you know five thousand dollars or whatever. And every day it goes up again. So I think that's a huge concern. And then outside of the pandemic, I think that we as an industry, we need to figure out how we can come up with a really strong marketing plan to compete with our competitors, and which would be like an LVT, SPC kind of thing. I think that's a big threat to our industry. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. It certainly was a threat before the pandemic. And, you know, I think maybe we've lost sight of that a little bit during the pandemic. I think that's a significant challenge to our industry going forward, right? Yes, I think it's huge. Let's shift gears a little bit for a minute. We talked earlier about how we're both going to be at coverings in early July, July 7th to the 9th in Orlando, Florida. Tell me what you're expecting from coverings this year. Do you have pl- any plans? You know, Are you trying to accomplish something specific for Studio S? Is it just, hey, I want to see old friends and make some new ones. What's what's your strategy for covering? Honestly, I think it's just going, it's seeing people and reconnecting, being face-to-face. I think that's really important. Um, I know that with Zoom and all of that, it's, it's changed the way that we're doing business, but there has to be something to be said about the face-to-face, belly-to-belly, and like the personal touch, right? I mean, because, I mean, if you go back to when you said, you know, what's your favorite thing in the industry? It's the relationships. And it's, you know, you can only FaceTime, Zoom, you can only have so much, right? But to be out and have dinner and converse, um, I think that's, I mean, so much so much of the business that I do is over dinner, over lunch, right? Hanging out, I think it's important. And just to go back, I, I think it's just exciting to see people after being locked up so, so much, you know? Yeah, I agree completely. I, I totally, totally agree. And um, I've heard some people say, you know, trade shows are going to be less important now because we've all figured out how to accomplish things virtually. But I'm not a I'm not someone that buys into that argument for the for many of the reasons you just said, right? I mean you right. need to you need I to think, be in person to have that relationship solidified. I think the virtual thing, it changes the way that you do your sales calls, right? And it might it might it might help in the sense that you're not spending all this travel money like flying here and flying there. But there has to be something like I feel like with our products, 
tile is such a touchy feely thing. You know, you need to, I can't to this day, I, I can't like approve a sample over the, over the internet. I, I like, I have to have it air freighted. I have to see it. I have to look at it. I have to touch it. I want to feel it. I want to play with it. You know, and with all the different types of products that we sell with different textures where it looks, you know, where a lot of the porcelains that look and feel like natural stone and there's all these different finishes where it's, you know, bush hammered or leathered or patinado, whatever. I, I, you, you don't get that looking at a computer screen. At least I don't. And maybe that's my age, too. Like, like my eyes are going bad. <laughs> no, I think you're I think most people would agree with you. It's, it's really difficult to make some judgment on, on what tile looks like when you're looking at it on a computer screen. Right. Very difficult. How about, how about we talked a little bit about competitive products like LVT, and we talked a little bit about how the market's been pretty good during the pandemic because people wanted to redo their you know, bathrooms, et cetera. What are you anticipating from the market in maybe 22 or even 23? Are you able to look that far forward and you have any, you have any concerns or any really good expectations? You know, I, I think I'm different though, because I, I am unique compared to the, the average distributor, right? So I'm looking at, at, at color trends. I'm looking at different things that are going on that, that, that are up and coming. That I can that I can introduce to the market, right? I, I don't know. I, so, I don't, share, so share with our audience something that you, you know is up and coming for twenty two or twenty three that you can share, or is that all? Uh, I can't do that. Thoughts, so. I have to kill everybody off, right? Because then I'm giving up all my my research and development. And what what makes me different? Fair enough. Fair enough. I tried. Yeah, can't. That's why people hire me. <laughs> of course, totally understood. All right. Well, let's. Let's end with two two final questions for you. The first is just to add a little levity. Can you share what maybe your worst professional moment was ever in, in the tile industry? What's the worst thing that ever happened, and what'd you learn from it? Okay, so when I was at Elise Edwards, I developed um, I developed a glass line called Hot Glass, and it was a, a hand poured glass, very similar to like an Oceanside or a um, Bazaza or something. And in the middle of designing it, I got sued and accused of copying, but I didn't copy. And if you put the two products together, you could definitely tell that they were different. So I ended up being sued and it was a $3.2 million lawsuit. And in the middle of launching, like two weeks before coverings, the company sent out a letter to like every potential client that I could ever want and accusing me and telling them that, that, I, that, I, uh, <laughs> that I copied. And I was devastated. I didn't know what to do. And so I thought I could either call my attorney and write another nasty legal letter, send it out. And then everybody definitely would be scared and wouldn't come to the booth. Right. And I thought that's bad. So instead, what I did was um, instead of calling my attorney, well, I did. He did write a letter and I brought a bunch of them, but I never used them. Simultaneously, I called my graphic artist and I said, I've been accused of something that's absolutely not true. And the only thing that I can equate this to is the National Enquirer and all the fantastic stories that you read, like, you know, Martians invade Wyoming or something like that. Right. And so I said, I want you to do an uh, invitation for me. And I want you to write, you know, Elise Edwards has been accused of, you know, copying Lenata Bay. And right under that, I want you to say, Sylvie, there a rumor about like Sylvie's dating Jim Morrison or has been seen with Elvis Presley and this, that, and the other thing and kind of bring it down like that. And I, and then I said in the, in the invitation, I said, why don't you come by and take a look at it? And if it looks exactly the same, then I'll, um, you don't need it because you already have it. And if it doesn't look the same, then you should buy it. And out of that, I probably had one of the most successful shows ever, you know, and in four years that line was a national brand. 
So I learned, I mean, because my, my first, my first thought was, I just want to crawl under a rock. And what I learned from that is even in the, in the worst times, you just have to push forward and you have to keep going and you can't stop. You know, I ended up winning the lawsuit and, and that's, that's it. But I think a lot of it has to do with that in the, in the face of adversity, you just have to keep pushing. You can't, I mean, you have no choice, but to keep to move forward, you know, that's it. That's what I would say. Great message that in the in the face of, of adversity, you just got to keep pushing forward. What yeah. choice do you have? You have no other yeah. choice, right? Yeah. So um, it, it, all, it all worked out in the end. Yeah, good, good message. Thanks, Sylvie. Last question, and then I'll let you go. I really appreciate the time that you've given to us today. Is there one thing that you'd like the audience to take away from our discussion today? One message that you'd like them to, to know? I think it goes back to relationships. I think it goes back to participating in the industry and networking. And one of the, the best things to do, I'm going to plug CTDA, right? I think being with CTDA changed my my the, my the career entire, entirely. I never participated before. And then I went to TSP, I don't know, 10 years ago. And I met Ryan Hawkins and I met some really great people. And I think, I, I mean, I didn't know anybody and that changed my whole career. I ended up being on the board and I've, and I've met so many other people and it grew my business, but it take but you can't just pay your membership dues and expect everything to, to come forward. Right. You have to, it's like in everything else, you have to work it. It's like, if you join a gym, it doesn't mean you're going to lose 20 pounds, right? You actually have to show up and go to and work out. Right. So that's the same thing It's like you join CTDA and you can't expect that the, the, all the benefits of being a member is just going to show up. You have to work it too. You have to go. You have to kind of step out of your own box and, and be willing to introduce yourself and get involved. And when that happens, um, I think great things happen as well. That's a great message. And I just want the audience to know that I did not pay you to say that. Thank no. you very much. <laughs> Thanks a bunch. And uh, really appreciate really appreciate you doing this interview today. Everybody, you've been listening to the Because It's Tile podcast brought to you by CTDA. Thanks very much you for listening. You just listened to an episode of Because It's Tile podcast. Make sure to catch the next episode. Hit subscribe now. Visit ctdahome.org for more information, training materials, and education on the ceramic tile industry. Thank you for listening.